Hey man, you all in a podcast? Y'all sound pretty good. I'm in a podcast too. And now for the top five things that are great about podcasts. Patreons, ukulele covers, having something to do while you're doing chores. And what's that last one? Oh yeah, opening comedy bits that do nothing but scare away new listeners. Sir, who let you in here? I'll tell you who let me in here, little lady. Democracy. Well, I'll watch you wind on down the string and settle to the ground. But well, I'll give my little hand a yank and then you'll come back round. But just like you and me, babe, you're the yo-yo on the hand. Well, say you'll be my baby and I swear I'll be your man. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. Welcome to Sadie. Ha- <coughs> <coughs> welcome to Sadie Hawkins Pod. <laughs> we're back, and we're talking about Bird and the B sides once again. Or are we? Or are we talking about Nashville, Tennessee? P. Because yes, again, my conspiracy hat is up, and again, I'm asking, why is Nashville, Tennessee? P. A separate album on vinyl? Because we. Since the last time we talked about Bird and the B-Sides or a Nashville Tennis EP song, we bought the Nashville Tennis EP on vinyl. And how, how funny that an EP is on a 12-inch vinyl. Not a 10-inch, not a 7-inch. Uh, talking conspiracies once again, because as I said, I think Nashville Tennis is a secret full-length album that they hit in there. I'm pretty sure that our guest later on will be able to help kind of clear that up for you. What? We have a guest? Yes, we have a guest. We have today on the show, and we've already recorded it, so I'm acting like I don't know what he already told us. But today on the show, we have Reliant K member John Jonathan, or John, either one, Schneck, is on the show today. <laughs> Guitarist, five score and seven years ago, forgetting not slow down. Collapsible lung and everything around there. K is for karaoke. K is for, K is for karaoke. Uh, yeah, and those are the albums, those are the episodes that he only listens to. <laughs> he admitted yeah. it. I'm like, that's fine. Yeah. If I was in the same position, that's all I'd do. If I was in the same position, I wouldn't listen to this podcast at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, the Christmas album. The Christmas Christmas album. album. We didn't ask him any questions about the Christmas album, but we asked him all kinds of other stuff, and you can stick around for that, or you can skip to the time code (laughs) that I guess I'll put in there, because who wants to listen to us prattle on? Because, yeah, technically we're talking about the song Bird and the B-Sides this week. We always talk about a different Reliant K song We're talking about the song Bird and the B-Sides, or are we talking about Be Your Man? We're talking about Be Your Man. That's the point. (laughs) We're talking about the song... Be Your Man, because it is the only song that John Schneck sings lead on. So we were talking to him. And wrote. So we were talking to him for a little bit, talking about when he might be on the podcast. I'm like, well, obviously we should have him on for the episode where we talk about Be Your Man. And we have some very interesting (laughs) information about how and why he wrote that song. Yeah. Um, He's the only one who did his homework. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um... Yeah, like, I feel like a charlatan being like, oh, we got to do all our regular lead up talk. (laughs) Like, we've never, this is technically, oh, and by the way, happy anniversary. 
episode oh. 52. We forgot to tell him in our interview, but this is our one year anniversary of the podcast. Amazing. 52 episodes, 52 weeks. Wow. So we're a so year So we can in. stop now. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> we gave ourselves a year. It's like people who are like, I'm going to give myself a year at this career and yeah. see how it goes. Um, yeah, so it's been a year, and this is technically our, really our first guest, because we had those crossover episodes, but those aren't really guests. That's like we're all hosting an episode together in a crossover format. Right, right. This is our first real guest, where we're interviewing him and stuff. So it took one year, but it finally happened. And what an amazing guest to have. Yes. Um, so we still have to put this around the facade that we're talking about one particular song this week. So we do have a couple of notes, which ultimately... We gave we presented to John in the coming interview, and he answered all those questions. Uh, but before that, we do have some voicemails going back to the last couple weeks. So let's hear some of those before we get to our big interview. Let's hear our even bigger interview <laughs> from people like Brady. Here's Brady. Hi, Danny and Jess. This is your corporate overlord checking in on you. Uh, First item of business, Danny, you should not be drinking Knob Creek with combos. You should be drinking Sheepdog. Number two, combos rhymes with shows. Completely unlocks the entire song. Thanks, guys. You guys rock. Uh, Magpod for life. Excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you talking to? So, yeah. So, first season, he's... Uh, telling me what bourbon I should be drinking. Knob Creek is just my favorite of like the easily found national, like the ones you can find in a bourbons you can find in a grocery store. Knob Creek is my favorite. There are definitely nicer bourbons. I like, I recently tried Blanton's like someone at my work had Blanton's and I was like, what is this? This is delicious. He like had us all for a little mixer in his office. I was like, he's just like, Blanton's. I'm like, okay, write it down. I go to Blanton's website. It's like hundreds of dollars a bottle. It's like top shelf stuff. I'm like, we're probably not going to get one of those for the house, (laughs) at least right now. And that, of course, that mixer was pre-quarantine, pre-COVID. Spoiler warning, we will talk about combos and Skittles coming up later in the episode. But that is a really good point that I didn't bring up. I wish we had heard this voicemail first. But (laughs) yeah, combos rhymes with shows. That does kind of unlock it. Yeah. Yeah. So, was that a coincidence that it rhymes with shows? Did they actually like those snacks that they named? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe we'll find someday. But uh, I do think that's that's funny that that does rhyme. Because they didn't pick, like, Skittles and Reese's. I wanted them to... Sp- they should have picked Skittles and Reese's, but they didn't. <laughs> Why, Jessica's looking at me like I'm an idiot. So, thank you, Brady, for calling. Then David Catch Calls. And, um... We do have a bunch of voicemails. So David mentions that our three can episodes when we did can season on this show, it was can't complain, candle lights, and candy hearts. We couldn't remember candy hearts. There we go. Then he calls and mentions that the previous week we had a girl call in. Right. And he's like, I can't believe a girl called in. That's your first girl. And I'm like, no, we had a girl call in very early in the podcast. (laughs) And then, whoops, and then never call back. I'm knocking stuff over. Why, Danny? What was that that you just knocked into over there? It's nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing that's coming up later in the show. Oh. So, uh, but then he get, but then David gets into this point, which I did want to play. Uh, the, you guys mentioned the flats and the sharps. So the little B would be a flat, which would be a fret lower than the major chord. So say you're playing a D 
that, which would actually be a C-sharp. They're basically the same thing. Uh, you can see my socks can correct me on this if I'm wrong, because I, I pretty much just taught myself music, so I don't really know. Well, well, don't worry. You can see my socks can clear it up, because we also get a voicemail <laughs> from you can see my socks on the exact same point. Nice. Um, but before we get to that, David then has one more question for me in this voicemail. I uh, just wanted to clear that up with you guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Also, before I leave, I want to ask Danny, hey, what's your favorite sexy anime? Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I This came up again today because I had said something about, like, sexy animes, but I wasn't referring to pornographic anime. I was referring to romantic comedy anime which exists, anime is not a genre. Anime is a form, like there is animation, and there is live action, and there is claymation, and there is sculpting, and there is painting. Animation, anime is just part of animation. You can do any genre. So there are sexy quote-unquote animes. I don't know. I don't have a favorite one. What's one of those? There's always an anime where it's like one guy that lives in a house with like five women, whoa, and it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. but like lives in a, lives in a house, Did not he, in the we same. We are room. not this kind of podcast. Sure, we are. Any pop punk podcast has to talk about <laughs> anime because when you go on YouTube, that's what most of the videos are. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe in the future, when it's not our John Schneck episode, I'll name a sexy anime. I have to go back and look. I don't. I haven't watched actively watched anime in a long time. I used to watch it a lot. Now I just now it's just you part. Got a girlfriend. Now no, now it's just a part of. Uh, I'm sorry, that was rude. Yeah, that was rude to. I apologize, Danger Gavin. If anyone, he's got a girlfriend and he loves anime, there so that's just very cruel. Just that's very stereotype. That's a that's a big stereotype. I apologize. You know what should be? I, I've been com- reading. I've been reading too much complex infrastructure. I was going to say complex infrastructure, minds. known as the female mind, needs an anime girl chapter. <laughs> But yes, now here's You Can See My Socks calling to make the same basic points. Nice. What's up, guys? Uh, it is... Not about sexy anime, but about <laughs> the, how notes work. <laughs> when did you mention sexy anime? I don't even remember that. Oh, well, now David's going to have to call up and remind us what was the context <laughs> for mentioning romantic comedy anime in a previous episode. Because you episode. mentioned it earlier today in the card. I'm like, I really don't remember when you mentioned that in the episode. We talked. To, I said there. I said there's a. Oh, when it was because it, music, the AMVs for Mood Rings, all oh, of the AMVs, right. it showed like because it's about girls being emotional, every like romantic comedy anime the girl always there's always a scene where the guy accidentally sees her naked like changing or at a hot springs or at the pool he accidentally sees her naked and she's like why you and then she punches him into the stratosphere but instead of saying romantic comedy animes i called it sexy animes and then you gave me this horrified look and i'm like i did not say sex animes i said sexy this and is, again, this, this is, is a not topic safe for, for the little ears. This is a topic for all pop punk adjacent. You have to have some understanding of anime if you're going to do any podcast about <laughs> any kind of rock band or pop punk band. Here's You Can See My Socks. 
talking about his notes on Mood Rings. What's up, guys? Uh, it is Daniel Moraine, also known as You Can See My Socks. I was waiting to send you a voicemail for a special occasion, but uh, since you asked for it, I guess I might as well just do it. So, yeah, to clear up the confusion on the musical terms I was talking about, I was talking about moving from the key E major, which if you just say a key of, like, E or something, you don't really need to say major. It's kind of implied. If you mean minor, then you'll say minor. But the little... The hashtag, first of all, is sharp. So sharp means like going up in pitch and, and then the little B is flat, which means going down in pitch. Um, they don't relate to major and minor. Usually if people are doing like shorthand with like typing it out or something, they'll put like small m for minor, um, or, or they'll write m-i-n or m-a-j for minor and major. Um, so that's the number one takeaway that I realized we got so wrong on mood rings. That we... barbershop is in danger of going stale? <laughs> yes, the barbershop is always in danger of going stale. But it's that we confused flats and sharps with majors and minors. We were conflating the two. And I actually do know that. But again, because I'm not like constantly thinking of how music works, I was trapped in this wrong <laughs> I was trapped in this wrong headed thinking of conflating those things. So here, Daniel, you can see my socks continues. Sometimes in jazz notation, they'll use like a minus sign for a minor, but you probably won't run into that unless you're hanging out with a bunch of cool jazz cats. So yeah, that is the explanation for that. Basically, what Reliant K did in that, um, on those performances of those songs from that cornerstone set was like instead of detuning their instruments to play them in a different key or using a capo or whatever, they literally just were like, let's move our hands down one fret for like every note um which is kind of a weird thing to do um yeah it just seems inconvenient actually it it kind of makes pressing on better if you move it down from the studio recording to play it uh if you move it down from c sharp to play in c but mood rings moving that from e major to e flat major or d sharp major uh that's that's a weird thing to do i don't know why they did that other than to like maybe save Matt Thiessen's voice a little bit at the beginning of the set so he didn't like wear it out so fast or something. Anyway, you guys are cool. Um, yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah, so that's all very technical talk that we don't understand. <laughs> yes, thank you so much though. Daniel Moraine, a.k.a. You Can See My Socks, because yeah. I hang out with cool jazz cats all the time, <laughs> so I'm really glad that I will not be confused anymore. And by cool jazz cats, she means, like, actual talking cats, like from the movie Cats and MC Scat Cat. She like Chicky Baby with, from yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, anthropomorphic yeah. cats. It's really freaky. <laughs> it's actually quite horrifying. Um, but then Daniel calls back, and this is the last voicemail for tonight. Uh, he calls back because in that quiz, and darn, I was thinking about having our guest take this quiz, but we ended up talking about a lot of great stuff. We did that quiz as for Skittles and Combos of like, do you know Relying K well enough? And there's a big thing where neither us <laughs> nor the quiz master of that quiz actually knew Relying K that well, because here's where, Daniel, you can see my socks, tears one question, a new one from that quiz. Here it is. What's up, guys, again? Uh, it is Daniel Moraine, also known as you can see my socks. It turns out leaving voicemails is kind of fun, so uh, I thought I'd do it again. But uh, I listened to the, the new episode today, uh, the Skills and Combos one. I know I already tweeted you about 
the fact that like that quiz was wrong about like the banjo song. Um, it's pushed the very rest of the hatchet, not uh, who I am to go in. So yeah, um, in the one question was who plays banjo on Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. No, no one, one plays banjo on Who I Am Hates Who I've Been. And I guess we could have asked our guest, did you play at all on Mm-hmm? Because you didn't, but <laughs> yeah, right. not according to the credits. But no, he didn't play on Mm-hmm. Uh, and the so yeah, it was a total mix up by on their part and our part. Uh, but then Daniel just has a little bit more to say about the booklets that they were asking questions about, and then we'll move on with the episode. Well, also, the I know one of the ones you got wrong was the Rebecca St. James one. That was the one who was hot. It wasn't Barlow Girl. Um, I remember that from the liner notes. Um, I remember a lot of weird stuff from those liner notes. Like, I also remembered, like, that they think, like, Chuck Taylors or, or Congress. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I... I looked through those booklets a lot at, like, a really formative period of my life, and I don't know if, like, anybody else is like this, where they just, like, like, probably most people don't need to look at all the liner notes and thank yous, like, more than once. Like, I understand that people, like, like, other people will be interested in it, but, like, why do I remember to this day that, like, the French horn player on I'm Lion, or Lion Wilson from Anatomy was Crystal Bozovsky? Like, who even is that? Why do I know that? Um, it's not like I have it all memorized, but, like, I don't know. That was kind of weird. Well, what I'm learning is that Daniel should be the one doing this podcast, <laughs> not us. <laughs> we we should maybe have a segment every week where he just like calls in and gives us a voicemail on what we should know technically about the song. We could call it Daniel on Daniel, where I talk to Daniel, you can see my socks. And I'm like, what's up, Daniel? And he's like, what's up, Daniel? And I'm like, well... Or we could call the we could call the segment "Damn Daniels," where the two of us go over stuff from previous episodes. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's that. oh yeah, the the effect of like the the piano sound on on that track, like moving back and forth between the speakers, that's called panning. It's like basically, I mean, it's it's the same thing it is in the film world. Like you're moving from one direction to another. There might be a little bit of, like, I don't really think it's flange. I think it's more like phaser that's on the piano because, like, the tone of it changes a little bit, too. Like, not just, like, which speaker it's coming out of. But, yeah, the, the effect of going back and forth is, is panning. All right. <laughs> Have a good one. Panning. Panning. I knew that. But I took I took I took introduction to media arts. I had to learn about about recording <laughs> arts back in the day. But also, it didn't sound like my, me thinking it, he the, from what he described me thinking it was a flange didn't sound that off. Like he apologized for me thinking it was flange. <laughs> so we could have talked about that. Daniel apologizes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So now we can talk about Be Your Man, and we don't have a ton to say about it, because we'll talk about it more later. But basically, it is the transition track between Nashville, Tennessee P, and the Bird and the B-Sides, half of Bird and the B-Sides. And as I've talked about at length, conspiracy theory is that half of Bird and the B-Sides is new songs, half of it is B-Sides, but it's presented in the record store as all bird and the b-sides we'll learn a little bit more about that later um i think this song's really fun it's really goofy it's kind of a throwback in a way and we talked about this recently where 
those first three Reliant K albums were so goofy. Yeah. Right? And by the time of mm mm-hmm, they really tightened up the humor. Like, they're still obviously, like, short joke songs. And, like, we just wait, you know, crayons can melt on us for all I care is a joke song in the middle of five score. But the humor overall in mm mm-hmm and later than that was tightened. It was... Mm -hmm decisive it was like not it felt like in the first three albums any goofy weird dumb thought they had like breakfast at timpanis right. just get thrown at the wall <laughs> right and it all stuck and they let it all go to the album and they did it all in their music videos but that they kept the humor and mm-hmm and later and then but they got more a little more earnest and a little bit more serious bird and the b-sides no sorry be your man feels to me like a throwback to the first three the goofiness of the first three albums. But it's so funny that it's written by John Schneck. Yeah. Right? I love this song. I yeah. think this is a fun song. When this song comes on on the album, I let it play through. This is never a skip. This is a great song. Yeah. It's so fun. And it's it's good that it's there because it's like, it. even when I never understood why is Nashville, Tennessee P one thing, but why is Burden the B-Sides a different thing? But why is it all called Bird and the B-Sides? At least this track and all their little buzz, the little skits that they do in this song between the the guy saying, hey, I'm in a band and Taco right. Bell and all that stuff. <laughs> and then the whole band talking like bees and being like, Bird and the B-Sides coming up. And then like, do it. Start the record. Start the record. It lets you know you're going from one section of the record to the other, especially now in streaming. When there's no mention of you're listening to the Nashville Tennessee EP if it wasn't for this track. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when you go to Spotify, Burden the B-Sides, the whole thing. And I've seen this on Reddit and I've seen this on Instagram and stuff. People to this day who have learned of Reliant K in the world of streaming think all of this CD, Burden the B-Sides and Nashville Tennessee EP, they think the whole thing is on previously unreleased material. But no, the first half is new recorded material. Right. So... Thank goodness for this track, at least, to give you a hint of everything you heard up to now was something different than what you're about to hear. They literally say, the, the Matt Thiessen B, I can tell that's Matt Thiessen. You can't tell who every voice is, but you can tell the Matt Thiessen B. He's like, some un, some unreleased recordings, some all that stuff. Oh, some I, rare David tracks. Lynch just showed up. <laughs> David Lynch B pops into the Real K track. And says, here we got some unreleased recordings. <laughs> He's like, welcome to the Red Rooster. What's the club called? I thought it was called Red Rooster. No, that's the the double R is the, the, the Bang I, Bang Club. The Bang Bang Club. Welcome I was like, are bang, you going bang. for Bang Bang Club or One-Eyed Jacks? <laughs> well, David Lynch doesn't introduce people at the Bang Bang Club. But that's true. If David Lynch did interview introduce people at the Bang Bang Club, he'd go, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Reliant K to the Bang Bang Club, and then they'd come out. And what's the most Lynchian song that Reliant K has? There's probably not a very Lynch. There's probably not too much Lynchian <laughs> elements in Reliant K. The only one I can think of maybe is Nancy Drew, because David Lynch loves stories about women in trouble. That's like almost every one of his movies. Yeah, fair. Every like so many of, especially his later movies, are always about a female character that's in trouble and who is nancy drew but a girl who's constantly in trouble she's looking to get into trouble she wants to solve those crimes that's right can't argue with that point yep 
I love how I found out that originally, like in the 30s or whatever, she was way more belligerent. And then they like toned it down in the 50s. They're like, ooh, she needs to be a little less belligerent now. (laughs) Make her more relatable. (laughs) So there are no covers or fan videos from this song. Um, No sexy animes? No sexy anime uh, things. Nothing with (laughs) B-movie Nothing. Like, I can't believe it. Like, fans really letting John Schneck down. But there is one track by a SoundCloud artist I found called Rocky Mountain Beats, who also has a song called Be Your Man. Oh, wow. Okay. Spelled B-E. When you go on Spotify and you type in B-E-E or B-E-E, your man. Mm Mm-hmm. Spotify's like, well, obviously you meant B.E. Your Man. You didn't right. mean that. Yeah. So it'll only show you songs called Be Your Man. I'm like, and the Reliant K song. So I'm like, well, this is no help. So I went on SoundCloud, found this one thing. Now, normally I do find often SoundCloud rappers who have songs with sim- with the same title as Reliant K songs. Right. But usually I can't bring them to the show because they're filthy. Right. I can't bring them. <laughs> this might have had a swear or two, but it's only 38 seconds. And here's the only other song I know of in the world called Be Your your man as in b-e-e your man as in the insect exactly i'm a be your man be, be your man i'm a be i'm a be i'm a be i'm a chick tripped up feeling like you got me on the bus feeling faded on you like a nigga never was i ain't gonna tell ya i sure as hell won't text ya but if you come around you can bet i'm gonna sex long as you will love me this is my favorite collapsible light song <laughs> this is great. I'm just, we're only halfway through the song. Here's the rest. All is warm and sunny. Long as you stay with me, there'll be money but milk and honey. I'ma bring the bacon. I'ma make the money. I'ma keep a heifer ticket working for the queen bee. And I'll be your man. Be, be your man. Be your man. I'ma be your man. Be, be your man. I'ma be your man. I'ma be. I'ma be. I'ma be. I'ma be. I'ma. That's where it ends? Yeah, that's where it ends. It's oh, a 38-second wow. song. And okay. It went right into a Patreon commercial. <laughs> like a commercial for Patreon. Wow. So, yeah. How about that? <laughs> I'm so glad I actually get to play a, a SoundCloud hip-hop rap artist because I never get to do that. That's not that's not dirty at all, actually. Um, but then, we're since there's no other covers, Jessica looked it up and she's like, these chords are pretty simple, Danny. Could you try playing a cover? That's and right. Like, okay, because as we said, I'm not musically talented, and this is going to be horrible. But and I'll upload this later to the MXPX uh, SoundCloud. <laughs> it's great. I love it. I believe uh, in not you. Not the MXPX SoundCloud. Sorry, my SoundCloud <laughs> account is the MXPX Memes SoundCloud. That's the only SoundCloud account I have. So that's what I'm going to upload it to later. Uh, here we go. This is going to be atrocious. Welcome, new listeners who are here to listen to our John Schneck interview. Please first listen to me try to play a ukulele cover of Be Your Man. Ready? I'm a be your man. Be your man. But be your man. Oh, wrong cover. Hold on. Okay. So before I play it, just know that I haven't played ukulele in years. We've just been kicking around forever. And uh, I know this sounds really bad. I've been trying to tune this thing all day. And I don't think that these chords are completely correct because many chord <laughs> websites are wrong. But this is what they tell me. So here's my horrible out of tune cover of Be Your Man. 
Well, I watch you wind on down the string and settle to the ground. Well, I give my little hand to yank and then you come back round. Well, I watch just like me and you, babe. You're the yo-yo on the hand. Well, you say you'll be my baby and I'll be... <laughs> I swear I'll be your man. Hey, you guys in a ukulele cover group? Y'all sound pretty crappy. <laughs> So there it is, the only known cover of Be Your Man by Reliant K. That was, that was wonderful. Jessica's so swept off her feet right now. That was the treat I alluded to last week. It was that this week Danny oh, yeah. was going to play a wonderful ukulele so cover now for you. it's all downhill from here. <laughs> So that about wraps it up for the first segment of the show. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we'll have John Schneck. Yep. Hey, guys. Y'all the band. Y'all pretty good, man. I'm in the band, man. All right, y'all, now it's time for a Tennessee-sized oblige to the good fans of Reliant K for buying the Nashville Tennessee P. Hey, we wanted to take this moment to thank all of our Patreon subscribers who have joined over at patreon.com slash sadiehawkinspod. Brady, David, Tucker, This Might Be a Podcast, Owen, Jimmy Eat Pod, Roxanne, and Samantha. If you're interested in becoming a patron of Sadie Hawkins Pod, we're doing great stuff over there. We're reading through the complex infrastructure relationship book that Reliant K totally wrote. Ooh. We review other bands that are related to Reliant K. We do. And we'll be doing most of the K for Karaoke tracks over there. Yeah, that's right. We have two, five, and ten dollar levels. Everyone who joins gets stickers, and there are other perks you can decide on. Thanks again to our patrons, as we feel really fortunate to have all of you. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and interact with the show at sadiehawkinspod at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter, both at sadiehawkinspod, and call our voicemail line, which is 402-95-SADIE. Rock and roll! Okay. okay Start the record. We did some homework for this. We listened to the only two other podcasts we could find with you, which Wish were um, the Don't Feed the Trolls. Oh, right. We talked about futurism and you talked about uh, minimalism. And then we heard um, high fives and deep dives. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, so we already have a good baseline for like knowing how you joined the band and stuff. (laughs) Oh, right on. Yeah. Well, anything you guys want to know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll dish it. Okay. Well, first thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, how you feel now that the Snyder Cut has been officially announced. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. (laughs) Actually. I actually have a copy of Watchmen, right? You can't see it because my virtual background, but it, oh, right. it's uh, it's here. And also um, this, man, I, I just, I'll just take it off. <laughs> you can just see my, my, my basement. Hold on. I'm in my basement right now, which is why I put a virtual background on because you, you can just see the underside of my ceiling with no mm-hmm. like roof on it. Okay, see? It's not that clear. Oh, yeah. Justice League. This was actually signed by Jim Lee. Oh, cool. Uh, actually, Jim drew that, and then uh, Alex and Claire did that. That's pretty cool. That's great. That's cool. And I was just showing you this because I know Zach. Oh, right. Did, yeah. Uh, yeah. Did the movie. So. Yeah. Yeah. Because did you, I don't remember what episode we talked about it, but I was, uh, I had talked about the Snyder Cut. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I was like, and I have very particular Zack Snyder opinions. And I heard you talking on that other podcast about Zack Snyder and Man of Steel and stuff. And I, I love Man of yeah. Steel. And I liked Batman versus Superman. <laughs> I didn't hate it the way everyone else hated it. And then I was really, I had, this is, this is incredibly nerdy and maybe I shouldn't be admitting it. But I had dreams about the Justice League movie leading up to it. Like going right. to see it. And like all these, and I had like a whole plot for the movie in my head which i'm not going to bore anyone discussing <laughs> but i was like so excited for that movie and then seeing what they did i was like yeah this is clearly not Zack snyder at all right yeah i uh i'm pretty stoked for it um yeah i heard they're gonna spend between 20 and 50 million dollars on it right so i mean i don't have hbo max but i'll probably get it just to watch that so yeah and it might be like it might. They're saying it might be like four or five hours when it's done. It's gonna because he's gonna have because he had this whole extra. Cause that's, they were, just, that's just silly. I know. <laughs> well, because it was supposed to be like Justice League one and two. Like they had part two planned out, like they had with Endgame and Infinity War, and then that all went to pot when Batman versus Superman didn't perform like they expected. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, I, I'm a fan all around. I actually really like really liked uh, Ben Affleck in. Mm-hmm. The- as the role of Batman, and yeah, I think it was all pretty cool. So I, I actually didn't hate the movie as it was. So right. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about the Snyder Cut though. So one thing we want to ask you about that we so like I said we did some homework like so we have a good idea now that we didn't necessarily know before about how you join Reliant K and all that, and we want you to restate some of it anyway. But one thing we're not we didn't find out is like we know you're from Central Florida, right? Yep. True. And we just didn't find like information about what it was like for you growing up. We learned about like your move to Nashville and all of that, but we we're just wondering what what it was like for you as a kid. Like, how did you get into music? Like, what kind of interest did you have that eventually led you to Nashville and to getting into music and stuff like that? Yeah, it's a really I don't know if it's interesting for you. It's interesting for me. Um, my dad, he was a a music guy, you know, a music major in college and that kind of stuff, and we just you know, me and my friend group all just played guitar together. And uh, I grew up with uh, Zach Gehring, who it was in, in the band May. Mm-hmm. If you've ever heard okay, yeah. yeah. So me and Zach were like best friends growing up. Oh, that's great. Um, and yeah, one of the one of the coolest stories uh, about me and Zach is he, they, uh, May ended up getting signed by Capitol uh, a little bit after Reliant K did. And uh, Zach and I used to play guitar together and record songs on a like a crummy little four track that I had in uh, my old house and we always kind of had these dreams that we were gonna like be you know professional musicians together and we uh, we ended up touring together a couple times but the coolest thing uh, coolest story ever with me and Zach was I was in New York and we were in Capitol like the high rise wherever Capitol Records was and uh, I think we were playing a show that day or something. And we went down to like meet with people from Capitol and we're like walking through this huge, just, I mean, it, it just looks like a stereotypical, you know, music business office mm-hmm. here in minute or whatever. And we turn this corner and like, Hey, we're going to cut through here to get to another guy's office. And we go through like this boardroom and there's May sitting in this boardroom in <laughs> New York and I walk in and me and Zach just kind of like have this huge embrace. And we're like, we just look at each other. and We're like, we did it, bro. We did it. <laughs> uh, so that was, that was cool. But yeah. I mean, basically we just, 
there there was a punk rock scene. Um, Zach was in this band called Unsung Zeros, um, which the drummer for that band was his name was Jason Burroughs. He ended up playing with Boyce Avenue. I don't know if you remember, have you ever heard of those guys. No. Big like massive YouTube star. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, there was kind of like this little scene, and we all kind of went our separate ways. And uh, when I graduated high school, I moved to uh, Nashville. And I moved with a guy that I went to high school with and his parents got divorced and his mom moved to Nashville because she wanted to be a songwriter. And then me and so me and my buddy Lane moved to Nashville. And then about three months later, he decided that he didn't want to do it anymore. And he moved back. to Canada. Okay. So I just I just lived with his mom for a long time. <laughs> so it was kind of funny. But uh, that that's kind of how I got to Nashville. Kind of okay. a boring story. Um, I ended up... Uh, going out on a bunch of different tours and a bunch of local bands. And then I, I stumbled upon being in, in that band Audio Adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And then we did two tours in a row with Reliant K. And during the second of those two tours, Brian quit the band. And uh, I was going to originally play, just kind of play bass for him and fill the void that Brian was leaving. And then... Um, at this, they had already asked John Warren to be to play bass, mm-hmm. and then they asked, but he didn't know if he wanted to quit Ace Troubleshooter to play uh, for Relent K. Right. So they asked me, kind of as a backup, and uh, and then I kind of said yes, and then he said yes, mm-hmm. and then they were like, "Crap, what do we do now?" <laughs> <laughs> so then we became a five piece, and that was sort of the beginning of what I consider the kind of second era of. Reliant K, so. Right. I, 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 a couple of months ago, I had DM'd you because I've been trying to figure out, I was trying to figure out this show that I, the first time I saw Warren right. play with Reliant K, and I was trying to figure out if you were there. So there was this like short period of time where Warren was, had replaced Brian, and then, but you were, you still hadn't like jumped on yet as the fifth member. Yeah. And I was trying to figure that out because like I have all this history of, talking to Reliant K, like the original or the, the you know, the well-known four piece with yep. Brian and Dave. And then I was like, did I ever talk to Schneck at any point? Like, were you, and then I would figure it out. No. Cause by the time you joined the band, like I wasn't like actively going to like three or four shows a year of Reliant K. Like I just caught the band like every couple of years when they came through from that point on. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think um, we figured out the show, didn't we? Yeah, you did. You you told me you had to text Warren and ask, was there a, <laughs> a time? Because it was at the Boston Access Axis, and it was like, but there was, they played there so many times. So if you search Boston Axis, it's all of the big tours that went through there. And right. like, this was like a little show that had like barely any, you know, promotion of any kind. And it turned out it was that. It was like the small shows they played just to like, uh, with mm-hmm, having recently come out or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so glad you helped me figure that out because otherwise I was going to have to go to like, I was going to gonna go back to Massachusetts and find like newspapers and microfiche from the time and like try to find concert schedules. Like in the movies where you scroll through the microfilm. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah, they, um, they, uh, they did a yeah. couple of like release shows and then I did, I came on and did a couple of release shows and then we started our first like mm-hmm, tour. Mm-hmm. I forget. Oh, beginning of 05, probably. So what was that time like when you joined Reliant K? Like, was there, 
I guess because it seemed like such a seismic shift for the band at the time as a fan. Like all of a sudden they're a five piece. Like you know, like it, it. It was almost like they, they felt like exactly just from speaking for me as a fan. Like they felt like the exact same band. But then you look at the cover of like Five Score, and it's a totally different lineup. But it still feels because you know Matt Thiessen was obviously like the driving force of writing the songs and everything. So I get why it still felt cohesive. But like, did it feel? like a seismic shift to you coming into Reliant K the way it might've felt to some fans where the band had changed so much so suddenly? Probably not for me because I wasn't, I honestly wasn't a huge, like, I don't want to say the word fan, but I didn't really, I had only known the guys on like, just from whenever I toured with them. So we did like mm-hmm. two back-to-back tours and that was right before it came out. And that's really all I knew of the guys. And so it was kind of, it kind of felt the same to me because we, we played a lot of those songs, just added in the new, you know, a couple of the new songs on the next tour. Uh, so it, it felt, I don't know, I, I can see how it could have felt like a big shift for the fans, but for me, it, it was pretty seamless. Right. I mean, it ended up being like a shift that made complete sense, like especially in hindsight, where you kind of have these two versions of the band, but they still feel cohesive. It's kind of funny. I don't know if any other, there, there's definitely got to be other bands that have that same kind of history where there's essentially two versions that just existed like in these two different things and they feel the same, but they also feel so different in a way. Yeah. Got any examples, Jess? I'm on the... <laughs> I'm about to dry here. Um, so that actually answered one of my other questions was I was going to ask like if you had been listening to Reliant K or was or were, like any kind of active fan before you joined, but it sounds like you were just kind of like aware of them and, and like yeah. you didn't have I mean, City Hawkins dance on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, though I mean, I, the, the funny, like the funny, uh, funniest story, the very first time, and I don't even know if I've ever been told or reminded Matt of this, but the very first time I ever met Reliant K uh, was right when they became a band um, right when they started touring I was I had just moved to Nashville this would have been like 2000 maybe and I was working at a retail store downtown Nashville and they were in downtown Nashville to play um, for uh, GMA Fest or uh, I don't know if it's called GMA Fest GMA Week Mm -hmm. which is like a thing in Nashville I don't think they do it anymore but it used to be where all these like Christian bands would come together and they would just like all the clubs in Nashville would be just totally open and free. And okay. you could just kind of go around the different, different like showcases, almost like South by Southwest, but, right. but much smaller and uh-huh. only for Christian bands. No one's ever heard of. <laughs> okay. So, but Reliant K was, was playing one of them and I saw their show the night before. And then the next morning they were like downtown doing a photo shoot. And this is when, like, back when Steven was in the band. Okay. And uh, they all came into the store I was working in. And I was like, dude, I totally saw your show last night. So that's actually the very first time I ever met those guys. And then it was, like, four years later (laughs) that I joined the band. That's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I was thinking also, like, of all the members, of all the people who were in Reliant K... And most of them, almost everyone lives in Nashville now, right? Like a lot of them do. Like I would say the majority of them. And you were probably like the first person who would become a part of Reliant K that was living in Nashville, right? Because um, yeah, every everybody was in Ohio whenever I joined the band. 
Right. Um, and Warren lived in Minneapolis, uh, and Matt and Matt and Dave all lived in Ohio. And yeah. pretty soon after, Matt Hoops moved to Nashville, and then it was me and Hoops who lived here. Dave lived in Cleveland. Matt lived in um, Canton, and then Warren moved to Denver. So we were all over the place. And then, uh, then when Dave left, Matt moved to town, and then Ethan already lived here. Okay. So yeah, yeah Warren's Warren's never lived here, but now oh, okay. uh, Hoops, Tyson, Ethan lives here. Dave still lives in Cleveland, um, and I live in Nashville. So okay, it seems like oh, and this is something else we forgot to mention, but especially since you're from Central Florida, like we Jessica's from Central Florida. She's oh, from really? Orlando. Yeah. And oh, it's so funny because that other podcast we listened to to get some ideas of what to ask you. You guys were talking about celebration, like the town that Disney built. Right. That's where right. I'm from. That's where she's oh, from. Oh, no way. That's so funny. Because <laughs> you guys were like yeah. talking around and you're like, isn't there like a town that where they, it's like a weird town that the <laughs> Disney themselves built? And Jessica's sitting there and she's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny. Because she was, yeah, she was actually from there. And like eventually they unincorporated away from Disney. Yeah. But they were still Disney owned when she lived there and when I met her. Yeah. Yeah. It it was like it was like a place where all like the park employees kind of worked and lived and was that kind yeah, of yeah sort of I mean we my family had nothing to do with Disney we just lived there because we liked the area yeah totally so, yeah That's funny but yeah, it did, I, it does have its own back entrance so it made it nice. easier for people to get to Disney. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, my buddy, my buddy uh, who actually lives out in LA now, he used to live in Celebration. Okay, so. Yeah. But I, I don't know that I've ever been there. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I I grew up in like north uh northwest, I guess, of Orlando in Lake okay. County. Okay. Okay. Like the next county north there and a lot of orange groves and cows. Right. Yep. Right. <laughs> Did you ever go to Flea World in D Land? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After we moved away, sometime in like the twenty tens their original location closed and then they moved apparently and then that one closed again. It's a shame. We had and to drive straight through there to get from where I live to the beach, which we always went to New Smyrna Beach and you had to drive straight through that area. So okay, went there all the time. I was just asking about Flea World because April, our, our dog and sound engineer, as we <laughs> refer to her, she's from the pound that was next to Flea World. So oh, no did, way. Yeah, so we felt bad when Flea, well, that pound's still there, but when the Flea World went away, we we're like, oh, because we would, because if you park at Flea World, you could hear dogs barking on the oh, line wow. of trees. And so and so we knew there's a pound there. So one day we were like, well, we want to adopt a dog. Where should we go? And it's like, oh, I know where there's an SPCA. And we went to that one, and there she was. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, I was going to say, like, your story of, like, how you were already living in Nashville and Ethan was already there and then eventually Oliver Lane K moves there. It just makes me think of how we went to film school and then, like, slowly people move here to Los Angeles and then, like, people move back and then, like, we move here and then we have some friends here and they move away and then other friends we know move here. It seems like Nashville is the same thing, but for musicians, like, who's moving to Nashville? Who's moving out? <laughs> exactly. Totally. Yeah, we lived we lived in LA for like three months at one point as well when we did uh, Five Score. Okay. We lived, we lived right above a Bed Bath and Beyond um, at a where do we right across from the ArcLight there. Um, the ArcLight with the center, the one with the Cinerama Dome. 
Yeah, or, right in right in Hollywood there. Okay, right by Amoeba. Yeah. 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 Okay. Right on, yeah. Uh, not far from where the Capitol building was. Oh, okay. If you there's a there's like a Bed Bath and Beyond, and there was a little uh, like burrito store, but okay. right above it there was like a condos, and that's where okay. We lived. Yeah. yeah. So it was pretty fun. That's cool. Did you tear it up in Los Angeles during that time, <laughs> or was it all work? <laughs> uh, we, tore it up. we tore it up so hard every day. <laughs> Hitting the strip every night. We like turned Sugar Ray up real loud and just yeah. the strip. <laughs> I always like to imagine a version of like the 80s strip with all like the Motley Crue and all those bands, but instead it's Reliant K. <laughs> we, uh, we did the Ram Ram. Yeah, we, we did as much of that as we could. Um, it was really, it was like the best kind of living in LA because everything was paid for. Mm. And I say paid for, I mean, we paid for it, but it was, it was, it was like free to us because it was all recoupable based on like record budget. Uh-huh. Um, so it felt free, uh, even though it wasn't, but you know, we, our capital records would take us out to dinner all the time. And um, it was, I don't think I'd be able to afford to live in LA like, anymore but it was right. a good, like a good experience to get to go there and live on someone else's dime so yeah it's like having parents but they're over the record label <laughs> yeah that's totally true that's exactly how it was yeah because jessica's parents moved out here after we moved here and once in a while when they're like they want to take us to dinner we'll be like oh we we're getting a free dinner tonight because yeah. we know they always pay <laughs> absolutely like let's go somewhere <laughs> other than mcdonald's tonight right yeah. um Oh, I had so yeah. I had uh, one thing I was wondering, especially during the time where you joined, and maybe with the you know signing to capital or the move to capital. Like we heard an interview with Hoops where it's like it wasn't like you guys were signed to capital. It's like basically it was the same parent company, like both Sony, like Goatee. I think it's Sony, some or someone like the same parent company that Goatee is part of. So is Capital or Capital whatever. So it wasn't like they said, hey, hey, you want, are you interested in capital? It's just like you guys kind of got moved up and graduated to capital, right? Yeah, uh, it was all uh, under EMI is who it was. Oh, okay. Basically, that was at a time where Goatee was owned by this big parent company who also owned capital. And the record had come out and it was just doing so well. Mm-hmm. Capital was just like, hey, we're going to, we're basically going to steal you away from Go right. to, and I think the official term is called upstream. Okay. They, they they upstreamed us onto, but yeah, it's kind of like you, we graduated onto like the, from the double A team to like the major leagues. Right. You know, and like a baseball analogy. Yeah. Um, so I think they just kind of picked all the bands who were actually selling records and then just moved them up to capital and wh- okay. or whatever major label version of, uh, you know that they had that would work well for whatever artists so yeah it it wasn't like it wasn't like uh we kind of shopped around to a bunch of different labels and then they're the ones who made us the best offer or anything like that it was sort of all kind of in the family right so one thing i was wondering around that time because the the for the years where i was seeing uh, reliant k multiple times a year and those first three albums, like there was a very definitive feeling that they were like a ministry band. Mm. And we've talked about that on this show is when we get to for the first three albums and the really 
the clearly Christian based songs on there. And then we've, we've pondered like, was there, and it, it, the, the fact that it lines up with a major label release to some fans would be like, they're selling out or whatever. Like, that's not what I ever th- would have assumed or thought, but it w- I was just curious, was there a feeling of Reliant K not necessarily being like an active ministry in the way of like Christian festivals and youth group shows? Cause Reliant K, I would see them play at like tiny youth groups and stuff like that. So was there like a, was there an active yeah, thought? Like we're, we're not exactly a ministry band anymore. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, cause that record was written with the anticipation that it was only ever going to be on Goatee mm-hmm. and not that it was ever going to be on Capitol. Right. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I think that, I think that there's like a misunderstanding that anybody who's on like a quote unquote Christian record label, they're like ministers. Right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, definitely. Yeah. We're yeah. just like kids who are, you know, and, songs and yeah like I don't, none of us really had any understanding of, of uh, it's totally fine it doesn't bother me <laughs> i have a i have a little uh yorkie who's like five pounds he doesn't bark that often but yeah there's like a misunderstanding that anytime you see a band that's like on a like a christian label that they're right you know supposed to be like ministering to you or something but i think the reason that the songs were the way they were before was because or resonated with youth group kids is because all those you know all the guys were just youth group kids right and they were just writing songs that youth group kids liked because that's who they were yeah and then you know as youth group kids grow up a little bit the songs changed you know subject matter a little bit and then you keep growing up and you keep growing up and you keep writing about stuff that happens in your life. And um, I think there's always a, a, a spiritual aspect to it because Matt was a spiritual, you know, at least personally, he had a spiritual bend on his outlook on life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that the, I don't think that the band was ever, you know, trying to be like a ministry band, right? but more just like, Hey, we're youth, youth group kids these are the songs that we like. We like Goatee Hook and we like MXPX and let's just make these songs kind of right from the, you know, from the perspective that we have. So, yeah, I just had this feeling at the time of the first three albums, like I never, because I didn't actually learn about Christian, Christian music, Christian punk, whatever, until after I was into other types of grunge and punk music. And it was my mom who was like, hey, I'll you can keep listening to that, but could you also listen to these other CDs that sound the same <laughs> just to like offset it? And I was like, sure, but then I actually loved it because I'm like, well, here's more bands that sound like what I like. And I can, I'm allowed to bring these ones to youth group as opposed to my other CDs and stuff. Totally. So yeah, like, I mean, yeah. whenever yeah. I was a youth group kid, like we would just go to youth group and there would be a barrel of youth like youth group cds right you know so we would just grab them all and take them home and listen to them and then we would go home and write songs that sounded kind of like those um, yeah that's just what we're listening to and I, I assume that's probably what matt was doing back then um but i used to love all those old like tooth and nail bands and yeah plank eye was one of my favorite bands and uh mxpx and goatee hook and all those all those guys that, that uh kind of uh 
influenced Matt. You know, yeah. we were all we were all just trying to write songs like them. So, so um, I asked you that. I asked you some of these questions that I wrote down. We've already like you've covered in other questions. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going, yeah. This happened to have been covered. Um, did you have anything, Jess? No. Did you want to get into your your birds and the bee sides theories? Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> So basically, so we're, we're this episode we're doing "Be Your Man" because it's the song in Reliant K's discography that you wrote and you sang on, right? right. So, um, so I have okay, actually, we, yeah. <laughs> so I have I we actually came up with I came up with multiple questions about this song. First of all, and this album. So first of all, I don't know if you heard any of our previous "Bird in the B Side" episodes, but. I for for until we started this podcast, I couldn't really wrap my head around "Burn the B Sides" for like ten years, and yeah. then I realized, wait a second, Nashville, Tennessee EP, which is the first half of that CD, it's called an EP. It's a pun, obviously, Nashville, Tennessee EP. I get it. So, <laughs> it's a full-length album. It's over half an hour. It's thirteen songs. It's like basically a feature, a full-length worth of new songs that at the end some b-sides are tacked onto so i'm like what's and then but then it's almost like the band was gaslighting us as fans and calling it an ep (laughs) so i have multiple theories and instead i won't explain them all to you but i'm like was there something going on where it's like hey we have an album's worth of material but we don't want this to be our canonical follow-up to uh to five score seven years ago especially like after going back to goatee and stuff or was it just like you guys set out to make an ep and accidentally recorded over half an hour material like what happened there basically (laughs) wow i'm trying to think of if i should say the real answer or uh, (laughs) the answer that the answer that we always gave well that's the Um, thing is like we looked into it And there are these questions in Reliant well, K let, mythology. Let me, like, what, what are your theories? How about so, this? Let's start there. So, my, well, my main theory is the one I basically just said is, like, you, you guys had an album's worth of material that maybe you'd been working on you know, around the time of, you know, Five Score coming out or after that coming out. And then you have that much material and you leave capital you go back to goatee and you look at those songs and you think this doesn't feel like the songs that should be the follow-up to five score so let's record them gaslight everyone call it an ep and then also tack on all these b-sides make the artwork only say burden the b-sides because i definitely see people on reddit and instagram who to this day are confused and think that the first 13 tracks on that cd are b-sides but they're not they were all like recorded at the time they were all like part of they right. seem to be part of one session so that's my main theory does that one sound like anything <laughs> can you wink at the camera <laughs> and then the other uh, one yeah what's sorry the other one is just that like you guys set out to put together a b-side collection and we're like let's we got some new songs let's put them in here as well and then when you go into the studio and record everything you accidentally have half an hour of songs and so, so then you're like, well, let's and let's just still call it an EP, even though we recorded way more than an EP. I will be a hundred percent honest with you. I don't rem- I don't know how much of what I'm about to say is true, 
Okay. I really, I really don't remember. Okay. That was a long time ago. When, when was that? 2008 or something? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was 12 years ago. I don't remember much from 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> I want to say it had something to do with them making us put out an album. Okay. And I think that's where the title, The Bird and the B-Sides came from. So it was actually almost like a pejorative, like we're, like we're flipping you the bird. Oh, because Jessica wondered that. Like, why is it not birds and the B-sides? Why is it bird yeah. and the B-side? Oh, wow. I want to say that it was, like, <laughs> it was like, you want an album? Fine. Here's your album. <laughs> Interesting. And, and like just, just a B-side collection wouldn't have been enough or something? Right. Yeah, it I had think, to be new I think it, had, it had to have a certain amount of songs on it. Okay. Okay. And, but it, but it wasn't enough or it wasn't um cohesive enough to be like a reliant k album right because that those songs the songs on that album are great but when you if you just because we like have the national tennis uh vinyl and we put it on preparing for this and we're like these are all great songs but it doesn't and it's a 12 inch which more feeds into my theory like you would think and the nashville tennis ep would at least be a 10 would just be a 10 inch or something but it's a it's, so, a, yeah. it's all all 12 inches of the record and we put it on it's like these are all great songs like there's so many great songs in there but it doesn't feel like it just it feels like it doesn't feel like an actual like new studio album so that's, so that's why, why i had those right. series and like especially yeah well, i mean and then you know forget not slow down is on the horizon and that is an album like, like that's almost, almost that's undeniably like what like the definition of an album and it, but then you look at bird and the b-sides or national tennis and you think it's technically an album but it's not like it would have ended up being called the seventh album sixth album I've, other if it, it yeah. wasn't packaged in this way right yeah yeah and i i don't remember all of the details but somebody somewhere i think said we had to put out an album and no one was okay. ready to put out an album um so we just i think that's where all those the their original idea also behind i know you said you were going to talk about beer man mm-hmm. the original idea was that everyone was supposed to get together or everybody was supposed to kind of go home and write a minute like funny song okay, okay. that was my next question about yeah. burn leading up to be your man cuz uh basically i was wondering yeah Oh, what's that? Uh, sorry, I said I lost you again. Oh, okay. So yeah, that was actually one of my next questions about leading more into specifically Be Your Man, where I was going to ask, what was the idea that to, to fill in these songs that were new on the on the CD, everyone writes and sings lead on a song, everyone who's in the band at that point, and then... Yeah. And then your song is the only one that's a joke song. Like, Ethan's is technically humorous, but it's not it and it's but but John Warren's and Hoops's songs are both like totally straightforward earnest songs and Ethan's is a little humorous but it's not a joke song and then yours is like flat out like a joke song so it's yeah. like yeah <laughs> so it was one of, it was kind of one of those things where the the assignment was to go and write a 1 minute long funny song uh-huh if i if again if i'm recalling this correctly the idea was like, hey, let's all go and write a one minute funny song and we'll put it on there and we'll just 
kind of pad the the track numbers. Mm-hmm. So I went and I wrote this pretty silly song, and then uh, because of the whole Nashville tennis thing, I thought it'd be really funny to do a uh, like a country song. Uh-huh. And uh, and then Warren shows up with this like really awesome serious song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then Hoops writes this song, and I was like, "That's not a silly song either." <laughs> <laughs> and then Ethan's song was like, "I mean, I, that could be." Ethan's was pretty short too. I think. I think me and right. Ethan were the only one who wrote short songs. Yeah. Um, and I think what happened was. Warren played it for Tyson and Tyson was like, Oh, that's a great, that's a great song. Let's just like, just make it into a song. Like just, mm-hmm. just do that. And then I think hoops was just like, I'm just going to write whatever I want to write anyway. And right. then, so I kind of showed up and it was like the 11th hour and I had this kind of silly uh, song about, a, I don't even, I don't it, was like a, about a it was like it was like a yeah it was like, a, <laughs> like there's you're I think well we haven't done our first discussion now we're letting the listeners know I don't know if we when we mentioned the top of the show I don't know if that's going to get it out but this was recording first and we'll talk about the song first later and uh yeah it's like it's like you're it's the girl it's the person in the relationship that you or the narrator of the song is in is is like a yo-yo on his on his hand. It's like I don't think it's a literal yo-yo, <laughs> even though it's like a right, jokey yeah. song. I don't. I had to listen to it a couple times. I'm like, okay, it sounds like it's a literal yo-yo, but I th- don't think it's a literal yo-yo. So it is a lot deeper meaning than <laughs> maybe you intended. There's all these metaphors and and layers of reality and narration. Right. Sorry. So, cut, um, out, cut out again okay. for a second. <laughs> But I was saying, like, uh, even though it's like a joke song, there is like more going on because when you first hear it, you're like, "Wait, what is he singing about? Is there an actual <laughs> yo-yo or is the girl a yo-yo?" So there is like a deeper meaning, even yeah. though you were the one who went and wrote the silliest song. Yeah. So th- then I, yeah, I don't really even remember what the song was about. It's been so long since I've even heard it. Um, but it was about. It, I think the idea is like the analogy of like a relationship being like a yo-yo. Right. Like, you know, they're, you know, come and go kind of thing. It's like a... It's a proto-boomerang. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. That's totally it. <laughs> wow, I that. There's a song about a boomerang and a song about a yo-yo. That's right. amazing. See, we're, we're putting things together. Just to remind you of the lyrics you wrote. Oh, yeah, here we go. On Genius, I love it on Genius. It's like verse one. And that's it. There's no other verses. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother labeling the sections? It says, I'll watch you wind on down the string and settle to the ground. I'll give my little hand a yank and then you'll come back round. Uh, just like you and me, me, babe, you're the yo-yo. I'm the hand. Well, say you'll be my baby and I'll swear I'll be your man. So she's the yo-yo and there's the string and you're the hand. <laughs> Who even knows? <laughs> Who even knows? Um, but the basically we got to the the point where oh so I basically I actually recorded that song with Ethan because I um, for some reason at that point in my life I was really into like Brad Paisley chicken picking style guitar. Okay. So I was just I just like wrote this 
like riff, like obviously it's kind of silly, but uh, I was really kind of stoked on the music. Like I was like, oh, this will be fun. I'll, <laughs> I'll be able to just like play some guitar on, like get, put a guitar solo on a record for once, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I recorded the whole thing with Ethan at his house. And then we basically just sent the fi- that file over to Mark. And then whenever we were doing like mixes or something, everyone was just like, what a stupid, like, what a terrible song. Like, this is, <laughs> like can we even put this on the album? Like, what are, like, what are we doing? Like, because like I said, the assignment was like, go write a, go write a dumb one minute song and we'll just be funny. And then everyone came with these great songs. Right. And, um, and I was like, crap, I don't really have anything else. So, uh, well, th- so then basically the way that it got saved was Ethan did that voiceover on it. Oh, so that is Ethan. Okay. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. So Ethan, so it was, I think Tyson was really pissed that I had, a, that I had like just a guitar solo in the song. He's like, <laughs> okay. it's a minute, it's a minute long song and you still put a guitar solo on it. He's like, this is why we don't let you write songs. <laughs> yeah, so that well, that answers my next question because we were like, I I always thought it could be well, I either thought it was Ethan or someone else, like I or someone like who wasn't from the band or like someone who was off. And okay, yeah, so it didn't so sound like you. Yeah, so we're just listening or we're we're like playing the song and Ethan just grabs a mic and just literally says that. <laughs> It just makes it up off the top of his head and the great, the yep. four great things about America and Taco Bell and all that. <laughs> and then, and then they were like, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Let's keep it. <laughs> and I think, is that the transition between the two yes. albums? Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing I was going to ask. So did you have, and to- then, then we all did those buzz sounds. Okay. The so then, so then we all recorded the buzz sounds and then, then it became sort of like, it became like the linchpin of the CD in a way. <laughs> I'm not even kidding because it's called Bird and the B-Sides and you've got the song on there called Be Your Man, B-E-E. Yeah. And right. it, so it, it like ties it in thematically and then it's got this whole little skit at the end leading right. into the second half of the record. So even though it sounds like it was a tumultuous uh, process to get the song on the record, is that yeah. the word? To, yeah, it was a difficult process yeah. to get the song on the record it became this linchpin between the two halves of the record. Yeah. I basically ruined the possibility of like Warren and Ethan ever writing Relaying K songs again. <laughs> cause it, cause Tyson was just like, we're never doing this again guys. After, <laughs> after what John did, this is unforgettable. <laughs> Sorry. This was your chance and he blew it for you all. So. I always love that. <laughs> I always love that Warren has that song on there because it's basically like, this is a weird analogy, and since you're you're a DC guy, maybe you get this. But we were talking about Justice League earlier. But you know, in Justice League Unlimited, yeah. when they did it, they did the epilogue to Batman Beyond as a, a side episode. It's like here's a little epilogue to Ace Troubleshooter in the middle of this Reliant K record. That's how that's what his track always felt like to me, because I loved Ace Troubleshooter at the time, and I would they play it Soul Fest with Reliant K, and I'd be there every year. So that was always cool. But that's not your song. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That other <laughs> song that was way better than the one that I, that I uh, yeah. And I always felt bad because I mean, I, I am you know, somewhat, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a Nashville 
quality songwriter. But I did have, you know, I did have other songs that I could have that were better that I could, okay. you know, put on there. But it, like I said, it wasn't the assignment. And then right. we get to the end and I was like, crap, now, like now what? It's kind of like whenever you, you know, write a, you really regret what you like turn or about to turn into your, your homework. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I would have <laughs> taken this class more seriously. You know, yeah. Every, everyone else kind of saw it as like an opportunity. It's like, wow, we never get a chance to like write a song on the Ryan K record. So we're going to like try our best to, except for Ethan. Ethan's was kind of a joke as well, but yeah. Um, anyway. But I, like but, uh, I said, I think it saves, <laughs> it, it saves the record thematically. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. One that's never been played live and likely never will be. Right. <laughs> well, there's no covers of it. And according anyway to the chord websites online, there's only four chords. So I was like, I think even I, with no musical talent, can put together a horrible cover. So yeah, hopefully between go. this interview and when the episode comes out. In the first part, we'll have a, all have recorded a really bad cover of the song. The only one I know about there. I love it. Yeah, I mean the the whole the whole point of that song was just so I could have fun like playing chicken picking guitar. That's right. Really, that was really the whole point. So, <laughs> did uh about the buzz the buzzing talk at the end of that track that transitioned it? Were you guys using helium in the room, or were you, or is that done in through processing? Because I swear I hear rubbery sounds like balloons in the I record. Don't, I don't think we used helium. Um, you know what? Maybe we did. I swear if you put on big headphones and you listen really close, you can hear like that squeak of rubber of like, you know, twisting the balloon and trying to not let all the helium out. Maybe I always, did. Yeah. I just I assumed remember. for years. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's possible. I know okay. that Matt, Matt Thiessen has a really, really high voice when he wants mm -hmm. to like yeah. He used to be a Merle the Squirrel in those Woodland Forest right. episodes. And he can do really, really high voices like that. So it, those could have been just Matt, but I'm not really sure. Uh -huh. I don't remember. It could yeah. have also been. <laughs> I remember doing them, but I don't remember if we had balloons or not. Okay. The uh, Were you on the, I don't know what year this would be, but the 10th anniversary re-record of Sadie Hawkins' dance? Yep. Yeah, yeah, because Tyson does that like the when the girl says you're smooth and good with talking, he sings so high that the first time I heard that version, I thought like they brought it. I thought you guys brought in like a guest vocalist to sing the line like the girl is singing them, and I'm like, wait, no, that's Tyson doing like a voice that's so high. He he completely and utterly sound like a female vo vocalist. <laughs> yeah, no, he's just got a he can go really high. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that was a really funny, like re-record. I don't think anybody particularly liked it. Um, okay, but especially the fans. But I don't know. We did it yeah. anyway. We, it we, we played that song so many times uh -huh. that, like, we were just way better at playing it. I think. Uh -huh. And I think whenever you re-record a song that you weren't really good at playing before, and uh -huh. then like you just, like you've played it thousands of times it just has a different like vibe and feel to it right and i think it definitely came across on the album that way so yeah kind of weird 
I didn't really care for it either. (laughs) (laughs) I would like it a lot better and I'd probably listen to it more often, but there is a, there's an organ note that goes under the whole record. That has a whole song. And it makes yeah. me it makes me nervous the whole version that whole version of the song. There's this <laughs> way. Yeah. I mean, it must it might be changing notes here and there, but it just underlines the whole song, and like it will go on a single note for a really long time. And it's just like this is like in a movie where one long organ note is like making you feel nervous. <laughs> right, right. I don't. Re- yeah, I don't recall if that. I don't remember that part either. But right. I've only I've listened to it more, you know, since we've been doing the podcast, because there's like deeper cut songs that, you know, I'll listen to more often now trying to get thoughts on them before we do those songs. Yeah. And (laughs) so I never noticed that before I was being more critical while listening to Reliant K songs. Yeah, there's a lot of those songs that I've maybe listened to once or never. Right. That recorded <laughs> like that. So, but yeah, it, I I didn't care for that either. I I think sometimes songs that are like a band's kind of canon, you you kind of should always just leave them alone. Right. But I don't even remember why we why we did it. Like I'm trying to even think why we recorded it. It was on like a goatee compilation, like the like an anniversary compilation for the label. I think so. Was it for that? Do you think, or do you think it was? I don't just like you guys did it for the heck of it, and then. I remember we I remember we recorded it the same sessions we did the covers. Oh, okay. I don't, so for some reason in my head, I had it that we like Reliant K was covering Reliant K, but maybe that wasn't on oh. the cover. Was that not on the cover album? No, it wasn't. It was on a goatee re-record thing. So maybe that was the idea. <laughs> if you're kind of vaguely thinking that, maybe 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 they did that and the idea was not to put it in that album sequence and then save it for that compilation instead yeah because i specifically remember recording that the same day we recorded um everybody wants to rule the world okay that one that we did that one right yeah whichever one whatever the uh (laughs) yeah everybody wants to rule the world yeah this is leading into the question you had about k for karaoke yes i'm asking all the questions <laughs> which was how were the k for karaoke songs chosen were they just songs that the band liked or songs that inspired you guys or how were those kind of picked yeah i don't really remember um i remember we did, we did that uh, stone temple pilot song and um was that on that one was that on that right yeah yeah. Yeah. State love song. And because uh, I'm a big grunge fan, like a, I, Pearl Jam is my favorite band. Mm-hmm. And I remember we recorded that one. And then t was like, yeah, man, that one was for you. And I was like, man, I would have picked it like, like <laughs> 50, 50 other songs. I would have picked it if I knew that one was for me. Like, I yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, I think you know, picked a lot of them. Some of them you were doing live leading up to that album, like the Cake song, Distance. Yeah. And um, there's something else there that they used to do with date. Not oh oh yeah, you guys did we- that Weezer song uh, when e- like the like the year Ethan joined the band. I remember that during that tour. That tour where you had the fake campfire on the stage. Right. I saw yeah. a picture of that the other day. I don't, I'm trying to think of what it was, but. I stumbled a possi- across a picture of that fake campfire and I hadn't, 
I had totally forgotten about it until that moment. And now okay. said it. I don't remember what tour that was. I don't remember the name of the tour, but Jessica and I were there at the Orlando uh, House of Blues. And I don't know at what point in the tour that was, but I remember when you guys, you know, you, you kind of do a little bit of a reset on the stage to get ready to go around the campfire and do oh, this acoustic right. thing with Weezer. And I don't, like I said, I don't know what point of the tour this was. And I have a, because I'd been a Reliant K fan since the first album, I felt this thing that Tyson said that night where he's like, we wanted to pick a song that we could all kind of like sit around the campfire and sing together. Like we're all at camp, but uh, a lot of you don't know this song and it hasn't really been working out that way. And I had, and then I looked around and I was like, cause by that point I'm only like 23 or 24 or something like that. But I do look around at, at the other kids around and like oh, all these kids are like 14, 15, 16, I'm like, this, this is a whole new generation of Reliant K fans. I didn't notice it until that moment. When I heard right. Tyson kind of like slightly passive aggressively said that to the audience. It's like, right. I, was like I was like, I know the Blue Album. The Blue, uh, Weezer yeah. was my first concert. I was, and I'm like, he was like, what's wrong with you kids? I was totally on Tyson's side at that moment. Was that like Surf Wax America? Is that what yes. it was? Yeah. 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 yeah, we did that several times where we would play songs. I remember we went to Australia and we were so pumped that we were going to play a silver chair song do you know silver chair is oh definitely yeah i had that frog stomp and yeah so we played freak show was one of my first disappointments (laughs) yeah so we played tomorrow off of frog stomp which Mm -hmm. is like one of the biggest rock songs of the 90s right if i yeah it was on the radio all the time and mtv And, and they're australian (laughs) <laughs> so we go over there and we open our show with tomorrow from silver chair uh-huh. and literally nobody reacts <laughs> we're decided. it's like when you go to alabama and you play like sweet home alabama or you go to you know texas and you do like the you know deep in yeah. texas yeah. or you go to ohio and you do the oh and then it's like like we're in like we came here and we learned this song just for you and no one knew it. Wow. We, that happened to us so many times. Where we were like, cer- certainly this is going to be a huge hit. And then <laughs> it always, yeah, n- that whole tour, nobody really knew Surf Wax America. Uh, I definitely nobody, did. Nobody knew. Yeah. I yeah, was there, singing... there were stragglers, but there, it was, <laughs> yeah. for, the most part, for the most part, everyone was like, they learned a new song that night. Yeah. That was my first experience feeling the generation gap occurring in my own life, like realizing that, especially because they were, because like certainly everyone, I had a MySpace, we all had MySpaces looking around, but I'm like, these are like MySpace natives. And I like joined MySpace in my twenties or at 19 or something. So I'm like, these are a different generation. Now there's been like generation, we recently researched that generations are supposed to be like 10 to 20 years, but like they're much, much shorter. It feels like, especially with the internet. Yeah. Now, like, TikTok and Instagram and Reddit people all hate each other. I'm like, you guys have all, like, you got into these things, like, two years apart. You're not separate people. I'm trying to become a Reddit person. But, okay. But I, I guess you can't just become a Reddit person. But right. I'm trying. I just, <laughs> I just do. I go to the memes, like, the main memes one, just to, like, get ideas and see what is popular. And then now I've started going to the Reliant K's 
subreddit because and i just post my real nk memes there <laughs> oh nice yeah. I, I haven't never even been to the real nk is it a big community there or not very big it's like a it's like a larger it's like on the smaller end it's a larger one it's like a couple thousand people yeah it's like yeah sometimes you see a reddit and it's like 25 people and you're like there's nothing happening here <laughs> yeah maybe I'll, i i told you that my i think i told you this before but my son has just recently discovered real nk right and he's totally into it. And the funniest thing is that his favorite album is Air for Free. Oh, and, <laughs> oh my God. and I like I haven't even heard like I'll be honest with you, I've, I haven't even heard that album very very often or very mm -hmm. many times. I've listened to it a couple times, but I don't like know the songs. Uh -huh. And he'll he'll be singing a song about oh, that's pretty cool. What is that? He's like, dude, it's a Reliant K song. <laughs> I was like, Sorry, I after that was after me. So yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm having to do a lot of like old Relent K research and going down the, uh, the rabbit trails on YouTube and stuff to appease my 12 year old now. So yeah, the funny well, story, the funny story with my son was maybe I told you this, I don't know, but no, you I, told, I, you told the other podcast this, but please tell our listeners. I think I know which one you're talking. I don't want to spoil the, it. The, uh, the tonight show story. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So yeah. So my son was was uh, watching i forget who it was but it was he was watching one of his like tween idols on uh jimmy fallon or whatever uh -huh. and i was like i was like hey trying to be relevant and i was like hey buddy <laughs> i was like you know your old man uh, i was i was on the tonight show uh three times he's like what's the tonight show and I, I was like i was like it's the show that you're watching i was like it's the, it's the show that jimmy fallon He's like, oh, you you met Jimmy Fallon? I was like, no, I I didn't meet Jimmy Fallon. I was like, it was a guy called Jay Leno. So I'm already like two strikes in. And, and uh, I was like, yeah, but we were on we were on TV. Like we like we played it like played on TV like and then reruns and it was so cool. And he's like, yeah, it's cool, Dad. And I was like, well, I was like, why don't we why don't we look and see if we can find it on YouTube? He was like, wait a minute, you're on YouTube? <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> it tells, tells you like the generational, the generational yeah. gap there on what, what he thinks is like all of his <laughs> heroes are just on YouTube, like Mr. Beast and Ninja and all these guys. Like he right. doesn't even know, like he doesn't even know that Tonight Show is on TV. He just right. thinks he just thinks it's in four minute clips on. Right. Uh, he's like, this yeah, this Jimmy Fallon's got a pretty cool YouTube show. <laughs> like million dollar sets or however much it costs to put that together in a year, and it's just like boiled down to a foot. Other people do in their houses and apartments for right. pennies. I know, and since then, he, since then, I have found mild relevance. Going, I, I showed him the. Conan clip, which he thought was cool because he's also seen Conan on YouTube. Oh, okay. <laughs> and uh, same thing, we did a, we were on Kimmel one time, which was fun, and uh, also showed him that on YouTube. So Thanks. Do you know what I recently found out about your Conan appearance? And I have not mentioned this to Jessica. I just figured this out recently. Apparently, they put that performance, I don't know if you knew this, but on like the um, Academy screener, for that year because i was on ebay looking for reliant k merchandise like rare things and i found a conan o late night with conan o'brien like academy screen or whatever it would be called for the emmys 
the and it said Reliant K perform. It said like listed the interviews that are on that disc and then the musical performance and it was Reliant K. I should have oh, bought it, so but I didn't buy it. It was yeah. like eighty. It was like eighty dollars. I'm like, do I want uh, to spend pricey. eighty dollars yeah, on a, <laughs> on what I already have on my laptop because I ripped it off of YouTube? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. There's a there's a moment in that um in his monologue where he mentions Reliant K, and you'll hear this these really like this really loud scream. Okay. And then Conan kind of makes a joke. He's like, ooh, I booked him. Huh. You know, you know, it's kind of a funny thing. But that was all of our wives. So oh, there actually were like, there were like no fans of ours there. Uh, whatever. But they had, you know, they were guests. So they had guest tickets or whatever. But um, whenever, yeah, when, if, you, if you go back and, I don't know if it's just a performance or you have the whole show, but if you, if you listen to his monologue, there's like a, massive scream but it's just our wives so okay <laughs> that's hilarious yeah um well we have like so, um some other like random questions to ask you and some of these might predate your time in the band but we're just curious if you know like some of the background mythology the first one is last week's episode we did skills and combos so i was curious if even in your time two years three years after that song came out were you still getting pelted with skills and combos? Every every show, <laughs> every single show until, yeah, I mean, it got to a point, like when I first started, they, we would get skills and combos by the, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I was going to say by the merchman, but you probably don't, you don't have a frame of reference to how big that actually is. Right. Uh, think about a Rubbermaid tub. Uh-huh. like a really big Rubbermaid tub. Uh, we would get that many every night. Wow. And I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> um, hundreds and hundreds a week we would get, and we would just, we would end up giving them away because we just couldn't eat them all. Right. Um, and then people got, like people in the band got kind of sick of them and, right. and a little bit almost turned off by them. I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> we ate them one time yeah. recording last week's episode. I'm like, I don't need Skittles or combos. Yeah. But then, then there was a turn where we stopped getting them. Oh. And then every once in a while we would like get a bag of combos or a bag of Skittles. Uh-huh. And it was like the most, like everyone <laughs> fought over those. Two days <laughs> in the bus. Like you would walk in from after a show and there'd be a bag of Skittles on the, on the counter and everyone would just be like, Oh, Skittles. <laughs> so, like it was just, it's sort of like supply and demand. Like whenever we had a ton of them, nobody wanted them. And then right. they were hard to come by. We, we loved them. So. So I was curious if you know, did, did, I know the song was written before you were in the band, but do you perhaps know like, why they pick skittles and combos because in our research last week all we came up with was like the front facing like interview thing like oh we love skills and combos it's like no for real why did they pick skills and combos because we're like it turned out tison had never even had a combo before he wrote the song and like i want to say that two of, there were two of the people in the bands who like liked skittles what well, somebody liked skittles and somebody liked combos like that okay. was that was real i don't so know it was I, okay yeah it's possible that tyson had never had them before uh-huh. um but yeah it was 
he was just trying to make stuff work. And I actually want to say this, I could be making this up, but I feel like I've heard this story um, that he was trying to say, if I, whatever I put in this song, people will probably give us. Uh So what, what do you want us to, what do you want me to put in them? And Skittles and combos were the two answers. Okay. That's what I would think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I think it's like Occam's razor. Like it's just the most obvious answer. Right. I was just curious because it was like, it's when that song came out, I was like, okay, there are bands that like the Foo Fighters had Mentos thrown at them and Fiverr and Frenzy had Blue Combs thrown at them. And th- that was all by mistake. So relying, so like apparently the band was like, let's get ahead of this and choose what's going to be thrown at us. Yeah. No, I but think I was that's, just, that's true. Yeah. Okay. It just was, wasn't, it wasn't Matt Deason's choice. I think he, okay. he was, he was diplomatic in letting other people choose some of the, some of the stuff. So. Okay. Um, I wish it was. I wish it was a better answer than that. (laughs) Yeah. No. 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 That's actually that's what we assumed, but we're getting some confirmation to it. Otherwise, we're just like guessing flat out, like with no proof of any kind. Yeah. Um, You had a question about forget not slow down. Uh, yeah. Do you do you know why it was sort of like I don't know if tracked is the right word, but why the songs are like split up in the intros and outros like they are. Like Flare and Candlelight and Baby and Savannah. Like, was that a choice? Was that like, did Matt actually write those songs separately or were they written thought of as one song or was there, because there are similar things that, I don't know, you, you don't remember, you don't you haven't listened to Air for Free that much, you said, but there are similar things on Air for Free where there's like an in, a long intro into a song, but it's not split on a track. And I'm like, well, if this was 10, you know, if this was eight years before that album, this was on forget not slow down they would have split that into a separate cd track so i'm like what was, was there like an artistic choice where they to split those tracks up or were they actually yeah. one song yeah i it was the, i think it was all supposed to be the the part of the, the same songs um, okay. i don't think there was any real reason so is the question why are they split up yeah, like why on the CD and it carries through to streaming, especially like this is the right. end and if you want it, which is one song. Like when I listen to that, I'm like, this is one song, yeah. but but then it's split up into two different tracks. And I'm like, was there, was it just like, was it just like, because in some ways it's a cool idea. And yeah, that, are... that that's terrible when you're listening like on shuffle. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to that, yeah. that record not long ago, just because I hadn't heard it in a long time. And it's, I, I really, I'm a big fan of that record. I think it's probably, the, I think it's the best Real NK record. Uh, Definitely, yeah. Um, without a doubt. But yeah, that's really annoying whenever those two are split up and it's on shuffle. It's kind of stops at a weird place. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any reason. Um, I think it's just trying to do, trying to, trying to like be uh be inter- make things interesting okay um like we like the the f- kind of the flow out was like especially in um candlelight i think mm-hmm. there's a is there an intro or outro to that forget that is an outro outro that got flipped live many times it yeah, became yeah, an intro live. yeah that's why i couldn't remember if it was intro but <laughs> yeah um it like we just had we had the idea to do that and mm-hmm. then we were just trying to make it as interesting as possible. I mean, so much of doing an album like that is just sitting around being like, oh, this would be cool. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there's as much thought behind it as 
you may think there was. Right. <laughs> well, one of my my own my main theory for that, and it just kind of puzzled us when we go through "Forget Not Slow Down" songs. It was my main theory was like it was probably just because it's like 2009, so it's like the the twilight of the CD. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what else can we do to milk? Because, you know, there's like pre-gap zero tracks. Right. And like, right. I think, it, like, I always heard that it was Nirvana that created the hidden track with yeah. Nevermind. Mm-hmm. And like, how many other things like that can you do by 2009 when the CD is about to die any day? It's like, yeah. here's another cool little thing. We just kind of split these songs into different tracks. That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So there we go. That one worked. <laughs> that theory was on the mark. Um, and then the last one, and I don't, this is the big mystery. I don't know if you have any information about this or if it is such a deep seated Reliant K thing that you like are afraid to speak on it. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I hope know? it's good. I hope uh, it's good. So if you need to say, oh, I can't speak, we'll understand. Do you know anything about? the book the complex infrastructure known as the female minds the the quote-unquote relationship book quote-unquote written by reliant k uh, yeah i do what, what's the <laughs> what, what what's the question specifically like who's because whose idea what do you know whose idea it really was do you know if mark nicholas is not a person or if that's what like no, Mark, Mark Nicholas is a person I know. Okay. Mark you know. Okay. Okay. Because when we talk about that book, especially with Mark Nicholas, like there's no clear online presence for him, unless he is also the person who wrote a book about living on a boat for a year. Do you think is that him? Um, <laughs> could be. Okay. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. I don't know. Um, okay. No. The the. This is probably a really sad answer it might be a sad answer but reliant k literally had nothing to do with that book that's what we that's what we actually hope (laughs) that's actually the happiest answer you could give us yeah no i think the way it was framed and the way that it turned out were two completely different Uh things um i think it was pitched in one way and what it became was like i've never read the book but i think it was almost like a teen christian teen dating perspective kind of book like that or something that's what, and, and so i think so it sounds like it was pitched to reliant k as one thing it turned out as another but if you actually read it it's not even what it's marketed as it's like yeah. it's very very strange it's just like a, a, every chapter is describing a girl like a stereotype of a girl like the rocker chick, she loves to wear Chuck Taylors and she loves to do this and that. And it's like five pages of that. And the next one is like the overachiever. She loves to do this and that and that. Yeah. And it's like, what is the point of this book? <laughs> I, it was, so, fun. yeah. it's, it's funny because we used to occasionally, I mean, we, we had that book come to a ton of like um, autograph lines. Okay. And I can remember one time very specifically when someone came up and was like, I love this, like this book so important to me. And Matt Thiessen was like straight up, like I did not write that book. I had, I had nothing to do with it. Uh, but yeah, I think it was, I, I don't want to say it was like one of those just marketing cash grab things, but I think that's yeah. what it was. Like, oh, I mean, how can, how can we tap into the teen culture? Let's, <laughs> 
like someone scrolling like, oh, Reliant K is the most popular youth group band. Let's just pick them. Right. And then they basically said, let's license this, you know, yeah. title or whatever. In a way, it makes me proud because it's like so many other mainstream bands have things like that all the time. So it's like, but a band, Reliant K, even like before, mm-hmm, it's like they have something like that in their oeuvre. So it's like, actually, it's like in a way they made it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just uh, whatever. There was like a Christian publishing company that licensed the name and that's yeah. literally all it was. Okay. And I think, I think they asked Matt to write the foreword or something. Yes. It was um, in there. It claims it's written by Matt if it's actually. <laughs> I think it was. I think that part is true, mm-hmm. but I think it was before he had ever seen the book or okay. whatever. But well, th- I mean, thank you for shedding some light on it because I think these answers existed on the internet at one point. But strangely, they've been scrubbed <laughs> from the mm. internet, and it, it's not <laughs> like I think there's some larger conspiracy. It's just like any blog that might have, or, or interview, or even a YouTube video that we found traces of, were just happened to disappear. Because like some things on the internet over time, an archive gets taken down or a video gets deleted because of copyright or a website, they didn't pay their bill for the 15th year. And, <laughs> and then it finally comes down. And so like right. every place time we thought we had. some, And there, otherwise we just hear other fans who read those things when they existed. And we're like, well, we'd like to hear something <laughs> that maybe explains it. But especially learning that Mark Nicholas is a real person because Honestly, person, yeah. there's no like about the author <laughs> or about the co-author. When you look up Mark Nicholas online, there's multiple Mark Nicholases and there's no disambiguation about who they are or like what else he yeah. could have written. And there are multiple authors called Mark Nicholas. One of them is like a football player from Europe and he's also written books. So we're like, yeah. we don't think this is the same person. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea of any other books that he's written, but oh, okay, I do know who he is. So. Okay. Real person. Not Matt's okay. pent pseudonym. Or right. <laughs> well, we didn't think it. We definitely didn't think Reliant K actually wrote it because we have been reading yeah. it on Patreon. That's our thing. Oh, that's nice. Our, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that's awesome. our big Patreon content. And as we read it, we're like, there's no way this because like Reliant K references are sprinkled in like almost like they forgot for 20 pages to put a Reliant K reference in, and then they toss yeah. one in yeah. where it's like this doesn't feel like it's actually written by anyone <laughs> that's funny yeah. well if that's if that's the uh the most like salacious <laughs> i'm pretty safe in yeah <laughs> it could have been anything i know that's why i built it up i didn't really think you couldn't tell me but yeah. i just wanted to build it up that way um yeah well did you have any other questions i don't think so. anything that came up that's all the questions i Every once in a while, I will, I don't, I can't think of an instance, but I'll listen to a podcast and you guys will like be circling right around the answer about right. something. <laughs> and I'll be like, oh, I just want to tell them, the, <laughs> I want to tell them the truth about what's going on there. Right. But I don't, I don't have any instances of that, but right. examples off the top of my head, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll tune in and something's like pretty close. And there's been a couple times where things are like, I was like, oh, if you only knew the real, the real story <laughs> on that. That's funny. 
Well, I mean, you can always call at 402 <laughs> I have done that before. Yeah, yeah, you did. You did. That was big doings for our listeners. People were excited for us when you called. That was super exciting. Um, yeah, Liam was at, Liam was pretty pumped that I was going to do this. Oh, good. Because nice. like, I, I, I was looking on Twitter and we were um, messaging and he's like, why are you talking to Sadie Hawkins bot? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to him later. I was like, really? He's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> nice. He wants, nice. He wants me to be like relevant in some way again yeah. at some point. So you could do a podcast. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, I did. I've done one episode of two different podcasts, and then I oh, did you, them again. Oh, okay. Did you actually put them up, or were they like test episodes? No, they were. They were just. They just went the can. Oh, okay. Yeah. We actually had a couple of those too. Yeah. <laughs> Before we settled on Reliant K. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just realized how much work it was going to be to do a good podcast. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you guys understand this more than anybody, but it's just so like, it's so much work to do it right. And you got to re- you know, you got to research and then you got to right. yeah. record it and you got to book guests and you got to edit it and yeah. you got to keep doing it every single week or (laughs) and I did one episode and I edited it and I was such a perfectionist about it and I mean I like edited out all this like the breath gaps and everything and I mean like my logic timeline was like it was (laughs) and it took me like two days to do one episode with no guest no research just like me talking and I was like I I can't do this I don't have yeah so maybe someday I have I've got I mean, I've got a lot of ideas about, uh, I'd love to do one on like futurism or um, mm-hmm. kind of incorporate some of my hobbies into it, but it's just, like, I can either do that or I can like hang out with my family. So yeah. <laughs> I'd rather, right now, at least I'd rather do that while I'm like, my kids are super young. So. Well, we figured out the secret, which is do a podcast with your spouse. So you could also do that. That's, that's a good idea. <laughs> that helps greatly with us. My wife just finished uh, grad school, so she's been like, and she's she's a my wife's a therapist now, so there's very little that she and I could talk about because she's so much smarter than me now. Mm-hmm. She's read, <laughs> she's like she just has an unbelievable perspective on everything, and she's so like well read and well spoken, and whenever. I try to talk to her about anything. I just immediately feel really dumb. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know that I could do a, do a, although it'd be fun, but I, our interests are so wide or so spread out right now. I, I, I don't know what, what we could do. We could right. do one about how we don't have anything in common. Maybe that. <laughs> you, could, you could at least try a test episode of that and see how that yeah. goes. <laughs> It might be good. Yeah. This is a podcast I'm <laughs> expecting. Yeah. We have nothing in common, <laughs> but we're happily married. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't remember. I, 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 you told me in a DM like a couple months ago that Liam listened to a few of our episodes at some point. Oh, or he's been, been listening. Yeah. And then I couldn't, and then that came up a couple weeks after that. And I couldn't remember who you said was listening. So I was like, John Schneck's one of his kids is listening and I was like it's it's his son or one of his daughters I don't remember who and I felt bad I'm like whichever one is listening whoever's listening they're probably upset that I don't remember who is listening yeah it was definitely my son um yeah I'll I'll be uh, honest I only 
I only have ever listened to episodes about songs where I played on them. Right. So yes. anything <laughs> yeah. from like, po- like, mm-hmm, all the way up to Air for Free. So everything in between the, those two records. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we had that. It was, I think it was after you first called us, we did a collapsible lung song like two weeks later. Yeah. And Jessica was like, I can't just take his. Oh, that was, that was a, a one that I was listening to where you guys were like, like circling the drain about like mm-hmm. what it was your theory about like what happened with that album. Oh, okay. And I remember, I feel like you even, did you apologize to me at one point in the, it, you said something about. Probably. <laughs> Does one of y'all hate the uh, hate that album? Yes. Well, we both didn't enjoy it going in because when it came out, we both gave it a listen and we're like, oh, but we weren't like disappointed or upset like other fans were. Yeah. We we're like, oh, this is it for us. That's fine. And we were 2013 was a big transitional time in our life, so we didn't have time for like new music at the time. So we just kind of moved on from it. And then coming into this podcast, we we're like, well, now we got to dig into collapsible lung. And yeah. Jessica was the one who was like, I hate this and i'm like no there's so good stuff here (laughs) which is the opposite of our personalities in everyday life i'm the one who is who like hates pop music and hates mainstream entertainment and jessica's the one who who loves like almost anything else you know yeah yeah that was that was an interesting album for sure (laughs) you guys you guys were like almost hitting on a lot of points (laughs) that one it was pretty and I, I wanted to be like, no, you're so close. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, we'll but, keep. But I, do, I yeah. don't remember specifically where I would tell you, but I, I forget exactly. But oh, okay. That's fine. Well, we, we did PTL. We did. I uh, can't complain. Can't complain. We did Boomerang. Boomerang yeah. I think that's all we've done so far. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like maybe even the, the one I listened to wasn't, wasn't a song on. Oh, it might have been that something record, else that we brought up. You were, just, you were just talking about collapse. <laughs> I think you guys were talking about the different eras, or like the different groups. Oh, we were talking about, yeah, yeah, I think that was, we were just talking about um, an Air for Free or a Forget and Not Slow Down song and how there's a group of fans who really want to put Forget is part one, Collapse Belong is part two, and Air for Free is part three. But we more see it now as like, you know, forget and not slow down is part one. Air for free is maybe part two. Like we don't see collapsible lung as fitting as part of a. St- There's these fans who see there to be a th- trilogy of stories, and we're like, mm. it's head it's head canon, and I don't want to like tear down. Although I've certainly done this, and I apologize to any <laughs> fans who are upset that I've done this. But like, it's their head canon to put that in there like that, and I'm like, but. I don't see the proof of that, like, especially because it's like people are like, "Collapsible Lung" is a story album. Sorry, yeah, "Collapsible Lung" is a story album, like how um, how uh, "Forget Not Slow Down" is a story album. People will say "Collapsible Lung" is a whole opera; it's a story. Mm. And I'm like, but they'll say it's, that it's not a story. No. <laughs> see, see, I because later, it wasn't yeah. a story. <laughs> But in those theories, in those pe- people who have that head canon, and there's this theory out there, and they'll say that those fans will say that. I'm like, if that were true, why wouldn't anyone from like everyone like the band talks about? There's interviews talking about Forget Not Slow Down, how it's a 
the story and how it came about and what Tyson was going through at the time yeah, and the cabin and all that stuff. Yeah. But then like Collapse of Alone comes out and this group of fans come out with this theory. But I'm like, there's not a single comment from anyone in the band that supports it. So why wouldn't they say that, especially when it would technically quell some hate for the album? <laughs> no, uh, collapsible, long, not a story. It's yeah. actually really, I look at it as two albums because we did, we did half of it with Paul and half of it with Aaron Sprinkle. Right. And um, it's, it's really, I think it's kind of just a big mess, but it, it does, I, I don't see how anybody could listen to that album and think it's a story. Right. I think it's because a lot of them, a lot of the songs happen to be about couples. Like right. it's, it's always about, it's always about the, whether it's Tyson or it's a narrator, whoever. It's like that, that voice of that narrator and a girl. But to me, if you listen to the sequence of songs, sometimes it's like a problematic relationship, like in Boomerang and PTL. And sometimes it's seemingly like a loving relationship, like in Disaster. I'm like, how is this same, How can this be the same couple if they're going yeah. back and forth? Like from a, from like she's hacking his phone to we've got a baby and we're having sex after church. <laughs> right. Yeah. It it was it was definitely that that album was not cohesive at all. It was right. um, it was not. But there were a lot of songs I really like on it. Um, Boomerang yeah. was one of my. I thought that was a really fun song. Yeah. Um, I like I love actually now. I love yeah. uh did you listen because there's the 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 unofficial to us the greatest music Reliant K music video ever made was that cartoon we found. Did you I saw well I saw you post it on Instagram. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. not watch that video when I think of it. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty good stuff. Yeah. yeah, we need to get that guy to do like a real one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he should he should do we we put out that live um that kind of two show oh yeah live album we yeah. should get that guy to just do a video for some of those <laughs> be fun yeah so that was cool I, I, I guess we'll and on that since that's the most recent thing with ryan k is that yeah the live album which was like originally a vinyl they were two vinyls yeah. Now they're on streaming, and you're on the first half, I think. Yeah, the, the first one was, a, was an older show. Yeah. I think um, that was an instance where Mark just found those. Uh, he came to a show and just recorded it randomly. Okay. And uh, then the other one, I think, was on purpose. Okay. The one that was post-me touring. Right. Um, but the first one, I think Mark just recorded out of the board and then was like, hey, I got, I found these songs going through a hard drive. You want to do anything with them? And that was the, that was kind of the first version. I think it was at Rocket Town in Nashville. Yeah, I think and so. And then, yeah. um, then the second one was, uh, I don't even know where it was, but that was, I was not there. So Right. Oh, and I guess that's one other question I meant to ask. There's conflicting information about when you would have left the band. Because like Ethan leaving the band has news articles to this day. But then you and John Warren leaving the band just kind of like seems to just kind of occur. And there's no like news articles of saying John and John are in the band anymore. So was there like a and then there's an interview with Hoops that we heard where he says like you guys never you and John never officially left the band that you just kind of didn't pick up on a tour. Yeah, so 
I mean, as the stories go, there's always like two sides and the truth, I guess, two sides and the truth. It's kind of, yeah. Um, but I mean, kind of what the, the real, like the, the real, real story is basically like nobody really wanted to tour enough to like make it a full-time job for all of us anymore. Okay. And that, that's kind of what happened at the end, like in the end. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Ethan left after uh, I think his last show was December in tw- 2012. So okay. um, the last show we all played together was at, was at Rocket Town actually in Nashville in, tw- in 2012. And then 2013 kind of started the post Ethan era. But um, me, John and I just basically like, kind of accidentally found jobs okay and it, it, we had take we took a long break after that and i think it wasn't until like february that we started playing shows again and john and i were both like i think we're just kind of gonna set this one out and mm-hmm. um i i've played some shows i went i did a run with them in 2013 or 2014 i forget where i played bass okay um which was a lot of fun and tom breifogel the guy who played bass i think on the last tour was playing drums um, okay. so it was, it was me uh we were a four piece so it was me Tyson, hoops and tom uh, was that part of mm-hmm. 10 if that was 2014 uh may, no it would have been before that okay um and then i played one i played the nashville mm-hmm 10 show okay um and that was probably the last time i was ever like officially on stage with, with relaine k would have been okay mm-hmm 10 show in nashville uh and we've talked about trying to get together and do a 10 a year of forget which uh-huh. would have which would have been fall of 2019 right um and then I had lunch or a dinner with Tyson not too long ago, and he said it. F- he thinks it feels more like. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> we lost you. Okay. I lost you. Okay. Yeah. So I I, uh, I had dinner with Tyson not too long ago, and he said that he feels like Reliant K would would it would be more Reliant K if we did a twelve year anniversary tour of yeah. <laughs> as opposed to a ten year anniversary. <laughs> right. Especially yeah. with COVID having just happened. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Was, so part, part of me is glad that we didn't try to book something this spring because it wouldn't have worked out. But yeah. I, I, think, I think at some point we'll probably do a, like an album tour of Forget. That'd be amazing. Because yeah. I, I would love to do that. Um, I think it just depends on, like, I, I don't want to go do like 50 shows, uh-huh. but I, I would love to go play like weekends. Right. And try to do, you know, if we could do like what MXPX does now. Where they just go yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like MXPX and all the bands that I loved growing up, MXPX, Fire and Frenzy, they all just do like weekend shows now. Yeah. And they all go and they meet in the city and yeah. whatever city they're playing. I mean, the, the, the negative to that is it's really hard. Like that's, that's way more work. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and it's way more expensive to tour that way. Right. Um, but also if you you know, have family and do other things. It's a much, much um, more reasonable to tour that way, mm-hmm. but um, it's just a lot harder. So 
I know Tyson likes the kind of the road lifestyle when he gets out there, he likes to, he likes to do it. Um, so it'll just depend on if, if he wants to do it or, yeah, or, uh, or not. So, but I, I would definitely love to get out there and do some 10 year mm-hmm, sh- or uh forgets shows. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we didn't live in forget and not slow down enough when it was out. And now doing this podcast, we really know those songs so well. Yeah. We were like, we, we, we heard, we saw those songs live so many times, but not like focusing on those songs when they happened. Like we were waiting for, mm-hmm and, you know, anything from the first three albums and five score. And then it was like wasted that we, (laughs) we got down. We, yeah, they did a couple of those songs for the air for free tour for the Switchfoot tour in 2016, but it'd be amazing to hear that whole album. Yeah. 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 That's a, it's a good album. Um, it's, it's the one album that I can put on and actually really like. So. Yeah. And it's always the album, especially now that we're like the Reliant K people <laughs> to like all our friends online who either knew us before we did this podcast or are meeting us. Cause like we have friends who do other podcasts that have nothing to do with Reliant K or even Christian music. And they're like, well, what do we, what do I listen to to get into Reliant K? And I'm like, well, check out Forget and Not Slow Down. That's always where I point everyone. Yeah. And people ask me like MXPX stuff. Cause I do all this MXPX stuff online. They're like, what should I listen to? You're an MXPX guy. And I'm like, it depends on what you want. Do you want punk rock that sounds crappy or do you want it to sound <laughs> like I have to get a baseline for what they expect from their punk rock. But if I'm telling yeah. someone, I tell everyone just start with forget and not slow down. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. yeah. The, the funny thing would be like, if you start with forget and then you go back to like the very first album, it's like, whoa, yeah. what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> What's this transition? <laughs> Which I'm sure has probably happened before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Liam, speaking of my son, because I always talk about him, but he loves yeah. he loves the old stuff. Like he oh, can great. he can go from any era with uh-huh. no problem, like no issues. Yeah. He's like, yeah, same band, great, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? What do we say that? Yeah. <laughs> I always, yeah, that's always. I kind of, I feel that I more or less feel that way with Ryan K. But there's so many other bands like Green Day or Blink 182 that I'm like. There's three different bands here and they are not the same band, but then like you see newer fans and they're like, it's, it's exactly like Liam. It's like, oh, Blink-182, it's all just Blink-182, Green Day, it's all Green Day. And I'm like, you listen to the new Green Day album and you think that? <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> well, um, I mean, thank you so much for all your time. I thank think, you. I feel like yeah, we did it. Did you have anything else to, yeah? No. I'm... Leave anything on the table? I'm good. <laughs> You guys, oh, what uh, was your favorite song to play? Uh, play live? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, probably Deathbed. That was really fun. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know about Jessica and Deathbed, right? Have you heard that? Uh, no, I don't. That show, <laughs> that's escaped you in the episodes you listen to. She can't. It's too much for her. Oh, yeah. It's like, heavy... she, she under, yeah, it's, it's like thematically with all the death stuff but also like it's such a it was such a huge turn artistically even for the band jessica just couldn't take it and she yeah yeah (laughs) no i i get that that that's kind of the same thing whenever we did that record with howard benson uh, matt had the idea for it and he's like yeah so i want to do this like really long um and matt always had the idea that he was going to do an album about that guy's life okay um which i I don't know if he's ever planning on writing it, but I always thought that was going to be pretty cool. Like a pre and post bed, like 
like arc of that person's life. Um, but Howard was the same way. The guy who produced five score, he was like, I don't like, I don't understand. <laughs> so, but he was like, yeah, I don't understand this song. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you are trying to do here. Right. <laughs> so Matt was like, well, I guess he's like, I'm just going to have Mark Townsend produce this song. And he's like, yeah, yeah, just take that. And then it became it became my favorite song on the record, but it is definitely a it's a heavy song for sure. Yeah. It was just so like um like all the different instruments and all the changes and having the horns and all the different uh kind of styles in one was it, it was fun to play, but I definitely it is a very heavy song. You're, yeah. you're, you are correct. Yeah. When we do that episode, we're going to do it in two parts <laughs> where we do our traditional episode where Jessica can just fully finally explain her real feelings for it. And then we're going to do the episode where I'm going to interview. And this is the first time we're really mentioned. No, we've mentioned it here and there. But we're going to interview listeners of this show and be like, why do you love Deathbed? How do you feel about death? I'm going to do it. Because I'm it's such a them. huge favorite. Like, yeah, a lot and of it's such a huge love, song. Love it would be song. like a six-hour episode anyway. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. That, one, that one was fun to play. And then I really liked playing... Um, I actually really liked playing Boomerang. That was a super fun song to play. <laughs> yeah. um, I always loved playing uh, Consequences. That was one of my favorite songs to play. I don't know. They were all fun. I love to play the up-tempo ones. Yeah. It was... Any of them. It, it, I, I just like to play play songs. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were all fun. So, um, cool. I guess I keep coming up with questions, but I don't <laughs> want to keep it all night. I, yeah, I was just going to... Later there. Uh, it is later there. So then I know like you... So you don't... I heard other interviews where like you have gotten rid of a lot of your guitars, especially because you have like... Yeah. And you are keeping like one for each of your kids. Yep. So it sounds like you're not more or less like pursuing music on for yourself or anything, right? Like, are you, do you still write songs or you just no. kind of tool around it all or it's just not, no, you would Not really. Yeah. I wish I'll show you my, this is, I'm in my basement, but I'll show you. Okay. I gotta turn, I gotta turn my uh, virtual <laughs> background off. Right. Let's see here. Oh wait, how do I do it? Because the world wants another be your man. Yeah. The world is ready for Be Your Man Part Two. <laughs> so I have the, I have the, these these V drums here. Oh, nice. Okay. Plays, and that's my Ninja Turtle collection in the background. Oh, right. that's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. And then I have some guitars there. Okay. Um, but that's uh, that's all I really have anymore. Okay. And then I have no ceiling in my basement. So. <laughs> I guess I well, could have just done this the whole time. Yeah. You know, you have a perfect basement, as we have done this show and watched people's a, YouTube videos. I have a gym. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> and a Ghostbusters, is that Ghostbusters on the wall? No. Yeah, that's yeah, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Okay. Yeah. And cool. then that's an old, um, I have a couple of Relan K posters. That one was Copeland, Barcelona. Okay. And then I have that one, um, it fell down, it's laying on the floor. Oh, okay. Like, Right. Uh, yeah, I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There. But that was a, uh, that was, I think that was one of the first shows I ever played. It was um, the guy who um, died uh, on the crab boat, Air Mars. 
Oh, right. On the cover of uh, right. yeah. Employee yeah. of the Month. Employee yeah. of the Month. We did a, um, like a kind of memorial benefit show for him. Oh, okay. Um, that was from that poster, so. Okay. I don't have a ton of Reliant K stuff. I do have this. This is probably my, my only Reliant K memorabilia that I have. It's probably the coolest thing you'll ever <laughs> see in your life. But it's a tin. A tin poster? Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Was that actually sold or was that just like? I have no idea why. I <laughs> but that's I awesome. A, I have a couple of things that remind me about my, uh, my, uh, my former life. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, I have a couple of, couple of, uh, I don't know if you can see, hold on. I see your Pearl Jam record up there, uh, right? Oh, okay. I got oh, a nice. couple of little things here. Two lefts. Oh, cool. There. A couple of those. Now, now that's what I call Music 19. Yeah. Is that had, the one where Line K was on? We had 19 and 21, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't actually looked at it. That's, that's cool. Um, yeah. I was going to say your basement is, you could tell Liam that your basement is perfect for making YouTube Reliant K fan videos because we've seen yeah. much worse basement. <laughs> Your basement is just fine. Yeah, we've seen but, way creepier ones with people doing drum covers and yeah. lip syncs. Yeah, my uh, my my basement is basically acceptable for <laughs> um, in the garage from Weezer. This is kind of what yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm like. Well, this is my version of Rivers in the garage right here. Yeah, so. <laughs> so. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for, for talking with us. Yeah, thank you for your time. Thank Anytime. You. I love uh, reminiscing. I don't get to talk uh, about Reliant K very much with anybody other than my, to anyone that cares anyway. <laughs> uh, every once in a while I'll talk with my, my son. So yeah, it's cool. been fun. Thanks for having me. Anytime you guys have any uh, questions you get stumped on, feel free to okay. give me a text or a twitter message whatever we will i'll do i'll Thank do my so best much. to I, I can yeah. be your anonymous i'll be your anonymous source so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> great well thank, thank you so much yeah, thanks anytime good to yeah. talk thanks. to you guys have a good thanks. night